Season two of the Pat and JT podcast. Oh my, now I'm here at last. The best time, always gonna be the best. Come on. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Right. 402-403-9478. We got a message on Facebook asking what our phone number was. But they could they could have just put their message in Facebook because that works too. It's Pat and JT. But you want to text us? That's totally fine. However you want to hit our hip, you can do it. Um, it's Pat and JT Instagram, Twitter, and uh, like I said on Facebook. Exactly. And speaking of those two, we're going to be getting caught up with those in the next episode because we've got quite a few that we need to address. Um, but we have a special opportunity today to talk to. Uh, first off, Pat, I'm going to blow your mind right now. Okay. You know Adam, right? Adam Fletcher, sassy. Oh, it's not sass? No. I've been saying it wrong. Because <laughs> I was going to ask if there was like a, some sort of random Ben Sass connection, even though it's a little bit, it's spelled different than Ben Sass, isn't it? No. Spelled the same. Is it? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Adam's they just say on it wrong in their family. So, right? Because <laughs> well, it makes more sense to say sassy. Yeah, why have the E? Right. Doesn't in, make on so many levels. Uh, on so many. Yeah. There's so many letters that were unnecessary. That is definitely one of them. Um, and, and and anyway, and the last name Sassy is better because anytime you say Ben Sass or if you'd say Adam Sass, it's always Adam's ass or <laughs> Ben's ass. So adding the E on it, it takes that completely out of the equation. Takes it out of play. Yeah. So I've been saying that for what, 15 years? It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Adam, and it was too funny because we were on Messenger on Facebook and we, we you know, solidified the date, the time, everything was going to be good. And then a couple minutes later, he shoots that over. Hey, by the way, <laughs> after somebody says your name wrong for so long, isn't it awkward after a decade and a half to say, uh, <clears throat> by the way, you've been saying it wrong the entire time, Adam? Now, now, to be fair, you got it right 10 years ago. Oh, my God. And then somewhere along the line, drifted I away. recently that you drifted. It's all Damn. good. Okay. Yeah. Well, regardless, Adam, we're glad you're on with us. <laughs> and um, we the reason you're here and you're back and, and you're a popular, really a popular guest on the show, um, talking about North Omaha history. You've been on talking about your books. You've talked about your podcast, talked about your website. Um, yeah, and you've got something else you're, you're adding to the, the collection. Absolutely. I'm so excited uh, right now, JT. I'm, I'm pushing out my brand new book. It's called... Hashtag Omaha Black History, African-American people, places, and events from the history of Omaha, Nebraska. It's 234 pages of uh, chronological history, starting with before Omaha was founded, all the way up until 2000, with more than 300 different examples of the people who really, I mean, they created Omaha from the ground up, and then the places that really matter the most and the events that really drove the entire city, not just African-Americans. Of course, that's who the book is all about. But they, these black folks, they drove the whole city's growth. They really made Omaha into what it is. And I'm just trying to, the, the, the book puts them into that context and really tells the stories in a way that nobody ever has. It's really exciting. Sorry about that Let's, noise, by the way. I emptied my trash can on my computer <laughs> while you were talking. I didn't realize it would come over. That you was on that? your desktop, wasn't it? That was me throwing it? away a ton of JPEGs. Sorry about that, Adam. <laughs> that was casual. That was casual. Keep going. <laughs> my bad. That's I'll wait funny. till after the show's over. Oh, my God. Um, you, when you're talking about this, you just made me, made me think. Um, and when, as a community, what was attractive to the community? to take up residence and grow Omaha. What, what was attractive to, yeah. to, to yeah. them? I, I'm just curious. Jill, before we, before we even go into that, yeah. you know, it's like 
take a step back. Did you ever see the movie, The Revenant? Mm-hmm. It, yes. You know, it, it, it had that guy in it and, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> and, and, and it was just such a beautiful movie, but the whole thing ended up with this scene where the guy uh, comes out of the woods and he comes out of the wild and he goes into this fort and it's his final scene. What, what a lot of folks in Omaha don't know is that that fort is actually Fort Atkinson. No way. By, wow. That's cool. Up by Fort Calhoun, right? Now at that fort, there was an African-American fur trader. This guy named, this guy's last name was Disable, and he actually went on to found a little fort up on Lake Michigan, and that fort was called Chicago. <laughs> what? He was in Omaha area first before he went up there. So, so the, one of the very first African-Americans in Omaha, that was 1811. Uh, before him, there was an African-American who was along with um, – Lewis and Clark and their expedition in 1804. So these were the first recorded blacks that we know about in the uh-huh. Omaha area. So long before anybody ever settled town. Oh, there were also African-Americans who were traveling with the Mormons uh-huh. when they stopped at winter quarters. Uh-huh. A handful of folks. So we had these black folks coming around before the city was ever founded. The very first year that Omaha got going, we have record of an African-American woman who took up residence in the city right away in 1854. Wow. Eliza. And so so there were different people who came around. Why did they come? I mean, you know, this was the era, 1854, 1856, 1857, those years right in there. This is before the Civil War. Mm -hmm. This is when free blacks and... um, Prisoner or, or kidnapped people who left enslavement. Mm. This is when they came to the area to start these new lives in the Wild West, right? Because Omaha was the Wild West. Yeah. It was the gateway to the West. Yeah, yeah. And so people were coming. They were setting up their ramshackle businesses. One of the first African-Americans in Omaha was a barber. Mm. This guy set up his shop right in Herndon Hotel, one of the first hotels in downtown. And uh, we're not talking about a big opulent 20 story building. We're talking about two stories in a, in like a a rectangular (laughs) building. And, you know, know, this guy's running his barbershop in the corner kind of thing. But uh, folks were coming because it was opportunity. It was the open land. There was very little law enforcement there. The slave kidnappers who went to recapture formerly enslaved people, they weren't coming to Omaha because it was just a speck of a town on the side of a river. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, folks were coming to get there and to get it started and to get it going. And by the time the Civil War came around, they were seeing Omaha. It was being rumored to be a place where you could go and be free and start a life for yourself. And they were coming in that hope. That, that, so that's pretty exciting time. That's really it really is, because I think for, you know, hearing that about Omaha and just about the region, mm-hmm. it just kind of makes you sit a little taller because, cool. you know, it's like, well, good on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm just I'm that's. When the the spirit of the people that would come to a place like that, that is not developed, (laughs) that is a place to start over. Um, But also this is before the stockyards and before the trains. Mm -hmm. And, but that, that was about not too much later, was it? Because, or, or was it around that time? So, so the the rate, the civil war happens, you know, and, and it's tearing the country apart. 63, 1863, 1865, uh, the Civil War comes to an end. Lincoln is killed. He, he gave the Emancipation Proclamation, mm-hmm. uh, and he's killed. And a month later, the war is over, and African Americans are freed from enslavement. They they uh, were released from enslavement, and 
uh, lots of folks began to hit the road. You know, they were packing up bags. They were like, yeah, we're getting out of the South. We're not doing this anymore. Mm -hmm. And they thought that they would find more freedom. They thought that they would find more opportunity. And ultimately, they thought that they would find equality in the West. But you know what? Cities like Denver hadn't been founded. And cities like uh, Minneapolis were struggling along. So you had a brand new city right there in the middle of the plains. And lo and behold, seems like a great place to be or at least a place to start. So black people started coming to Omaha uh, right at the end of the Civil War. Then the Omaha becomes the, the headquarters of the Union Pacific Railroad. And that was a little bit of finagling. You know, it was originally supposed to be over in Council Bluffs. I, and, I think uh, I've heard that. And I think you've mentioned right? that before. Right? That, yeah. Right? So, <laughs> so they build the shops, though, over on the Omaha side. And uh, they drop in all these jobs. And the jobs were hard. They sucked. I mean, big labor, yeah. big muscles, you know, stinky grease, the whole thing. Well, I and, watched Tell on Wheels. I saw what was going on. There you go. There you go. So, so right, you get all these uh, Eastern European folks coming in, and they've got these brogue accents, and they're having a hard time at Ellis Island and the whole thing. And those are the stories as white people. These are the stories that we know and tell each other. But in reality, you had all these formerly enslaved people coming up from the South. Yeah. And they were looking for jobs and opportunities, too. And the shops were hiring. Eventually, George Pullman, he was this dude, a white guy in the East who wanted to make a lot of money off the railroad. So he started his own railroad. He, he would outfit these railroad cars to make them fancy for the Union Pacific and other railroads. And he wanted people who were good at serving and good at being employed as servers. And he hired formerly enslaved men to do that job. Wow. And they were called Pullman Porters. And so Omaha, wow. in addition to just the working folks who were coming in and they were barbers and they were, you know, domestic help around the city and they were all different kinds of roles, uh, lawyers from almost the get, uh, they, there were black doctors from almost the get in Omaha from the beginning. And so, you know, you, you really had those kinds of jobs, but then you also had these folks coming up for the railroad. And you had this balance, you had this, this, these opportunities that were opening up that weren't apparent in the South that weren't, and, and frankly, the jobs with the railroad paid and people were able to build their house or start, you know, buy a house and get their family going. And they had opportunities in Omaha that they wouldn't have had in the South. That's awesome. Think they would have in other cities. Right? That is so yeah. cool, and and it's really interesting that even at that time yeah. that you had that balance of both the highly educated and the tradesmen, um, and and we still have that struggle to this day mm-hmm. of that balance of because um, for so, such a long time it was pushed on everybody that you had to go to college and get a degree, and nobody was was pushing the idea of that you need the people that know how to be machinists, you need the people that need to that can do the manual labor. Um, but there was a place for him in Omaha at that time. And well, but, but it's a tricky thing too, though, Jill, because in the first place back then in the 1850s, 60s and 70s, you didn't need a college degree to practice law. That's awesome. <laughs> that is, that is awesome. I'd be an attorney. No, no problem right now. They, attorney they would study. Now, now hold on. It depends on how good a student you are because okay. they would well, study well. the books. You still had to know the law. Yeah. You just didn't have to have a degree to go and practice it. Isn't initially so so the african-americans were denied the opportunity to join the bar in nebraska until the 1870s when the first college trained lawyer came to omaha who was black but they were practicing as lawyers before that point wow now the the, the flip side of that is that omaha was a tricky place from the jump as well 
starting as early as 1867. So Omaha had a hard time getting its school system going. It took 10 years between 1857 and 67 for the school system to really get formed. There's one early on, but it didn't work in the 18, late 1850s. So then it stopped for like 10 years and people just didn't send their kids to public school. And then in 1867, the school district started formally and things got going. They immediately open in 1867, a colored school. That's what they call it. Right. Omaha colored school. It was a segregated building just for black students because they, the white Omahans didn't want black students to integrate into the public schools. Okay, now that pisses me off because yeah, I, I right? you know, it's like it, it's just to take such a stand. It's like, why is that your hill? Right, exactly. Right, that's exactly it. And and they took it though. And the, the, actually, the state constitution was written in a way that allowed cities to collect taxes from everybody to fund the public schools, except for black people, because we're not going to give them schools. That's insane. It doesn't make any sense. Although it could have been worse because they could have made them pay. Right, which surprised me. They surprised me. They didn't make them pay, but yeah, still not let them go. Yeah. So originally that was considered, oh. don't, don't get it wrong, that was considered, but they decided that there weren't enough black people to really pay for their own schools, and that would have been unfair. Well, Attorney Pat would have fought that in court back See? then. See, there you go. Yep. <laughs> I would have hung that shingle, and I would have lost every case, but I would have sure tried. Well, that said, in, in the early 1870s, a uh, U.S. postal clerk, you know, back in the day, working for the U.S. government in any form was a great job. Mm-hmm. And during the Reconstruction, after the Civil War, uh, African Americans got government jobs. Uh, and they got these jobs and worked really hard and did all kinds of things. A guy came from the East. His name was Edwin Overall, and Overall came to Omaha, and he started political organizing almost, again, from the jump of being there. In 1871, he got the school board to overturn their practice, close the school that was segregated, and integrate those students into Omaha's public school system in general. Good for him. Well, so, I didn't, I'd so never heard any of this stuff. Me either. Right? <laughs> it's so interesting right? to me. I love yeah, it. I do too. So here comes the thing. I mean, okay. that was the first real example of black civil rights activism in Omaha, Nebraska. That, that's 1871. See, I guarantee you most people would say that it didn't happen until the 1960s. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just that level. I mean, and here's the thing. Almost though, 100 years. I, you know, growing up in Omaha, wait, I remember my first experience of learning about Omaha history was in third grade. I had a spectacular teacher. His name was Jeff Koenig, Miller Park School up at uh, 27th and Ellison. Mm-hmm. Still an excellent school. Lots of powerful things going on there. And Jeff had his students go over to Fort Omaha to participate in the River City Roundup activities there. We sang songs. We dressed in cowboy. I mm. come from Alberta, Canada, and I, I have my cowboy boots. I was ready. Let's go. <laughs> You're going to Omaha, man. <laughs> right? Right? I, I represented something. I just didn't know what. So so I got over to River City Roundup, though, and it was like it enthralled my imagination. Yeah. But it was, and, and I didn't know it then. The kids in my class were African-American. Mm-hmm. Some of the teachers in our building were black. All of my neighbors were African-American. But lo and behold, there was nobody who was black inside of the River City Roundup that I remembered. There was no no telling of these stories of the Wild West and black people that I remember. See, and that what's crazy about that? I have a history. My my background is in rodeo and in in uh, the River City Roundup in particular, but just in general. Um, and I I have studied that side of things in 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 rodeo, and and it, it is a story that has been untold. Because without the black community and the African-Americans as part of the West, they, they were instrumental. Um, well, so, so there are some estimates that, that suggest that as many as one third of all cowboys before 1890 yes. were black. 
Yes. That they had come from the South and they went West and they were black people out on the plains, but we don't hear those stories. That's not John Wayne. Right. John Wayne was as racist as anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and his movies never showed an African-American person in a positive light. So here's the other part that's crazy though, Jill, because when I was a kid back in the eighties, uh, there was a woman named Bertha Calloway. Bertha Calloway started the Great Plains African-American, the Great Plains Black History Museum, um, and which, of course, still exists up at 24th and, and Lake, we'll say. A uh, great building, 2221 North 24th Street. Everybody should go and visit as soon as they can. No doubt. Go check it out online, the whole thing. And Bertha Calloway wrote a book about African-Americans in the Great Plains. And a lot of that book featured the history of black people who were cowboys and who were out on the plains and who were starting towns there were african-americans all across nebraska but we weren't taught that i wasn't taught that in elementary school in middle in junior high or in high school i had a great high school history teacher but he never mentioned black people out on the plains that's something i learned as an adult too adam i I have to say I, i didn't realize um and when i found that out about not only um uh african american especially former slaves uh that were instrumental and also the the mexican uh, the Caros and also the Native American um, that also exactly. were part of the, the cattle industry. I learned that from you. I'd never heard that until you told me that. Right? And it, it, and, but it makes complete sense. Absolutely. And, and at the same time, you know, th- these stories have to be told. So this is why I wrote the new book, uh, Hashtag Omaha Black History. It's so fun because, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I, I tell both the challenges, the struggles, and the successes and real things that should be lifted up. I tried to balance out all the stories and, and tell both sides of that coin over and over and over. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look down. The I, I attempted in the book not to look down on the history of black people yeah. because I'm not African-American. I can't tell that story quite the same, but I knew that the story needed to be told exactly. and it hadn't been told for Omaha already. So I really wanted to lift that up and highlight those stories. You tell it with such excitement though. That's what's fun to listen yeah. to you tell the story. And I'm wondering when you do your research, like on this next, this book, which, by the way, when does this book come out? It is out right now. It, it just out. came out last week. Okay, that's I want. I wasn't sure if I was ahead of myself or behind. On Amazon.com, <laughs> waiting for people right now. And there's a link in now, our description of this yeah. podcast too. So people can go right to it. Let me let me awesome. just ask you: Did you learn anything while you were writing this book that you weren't already aware of? Oh, Jill, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> or is that just a given? So my goal was to finish it last November. And I struggled and struggled because every time that I cracked open the research, I found another rabbit hole. I found another avenue. I found another (laughs) place that I had to go and learn about. And it just kept building all through Christmas, all over the new year. And then I had to, you know, I had to make myself stop and just say, okay, now's the time. And I really, really, really wanted to get it out. A lot of people are looking forward to it. So it was pretty exciting to wrap up, but all of those different rabbit holes, you know, one of my favorite ones that I found uh, was the story of a guy named George Wells Parker. George Wells Parker, barely anybody in Omaha has heard of this guy. There are a couple of people who've worked really hard and they're learning about it more. There's a great group called Noise, North Omaha Information Serves Everyone, who featured George Wells Parker in their work. They've actually just finished a little booklet on the civil rights movement in Omaha that's on their website as well, Noise Omaha. It's North Omaha Inform. No, wait, say it again. North Omaha Information Serves, serves Everyone. It's a great acronym, right? Right. That's so right. great. They have great Facebook and everything. Wonderful group. So they feature this George Wells Parker based on a biography that I'd written about him. But that was a year ago. And they actually did some work. There's a Parker Street in North Omaha that already existed. They got the city to rename it in his honor because of the wonderful work that George Parker had done. Basically, 
the story goes, this guy was born in, born in 1882, went to central high school, which was then called Omaha high school. Uh, He, he went to Howard university in DC, came back to Omaha, went to Creighton along the way. He was a historian. He was a black historian of black history in the 1890s, 1900s, 1910s. Mm. And this guy was just on fire. He, he wrote a book called Children of the Sun. He put together all of these uh, basically Afrocentric histories that told the story of how black people formed civilization, not just in a way that Grecians replicate or that, that, that they copied or otherwise made, but basically the, the story of Grecians and Romans, how they made European <laughs> society, that they stole that whole story from black people. And this George Wells Parker wrote that back at the turn of the century. I mean, this guy was just on fire with this history way back then. Wow. And he did all this research and put it all together in a book list. He published articles in the um, uh, Omaha Monitor was the name of a black newspaper in North Omaha at that point. Um, and he published there, but he was also involved in national movements all over across the country. He spoke at conferences and just did all kinds of things. He died kind of young. He did some heinous things and he disappeared off the map. Hmm. But, you know, to tell that story and to get into those rabbit holes over and over and over, it was just like, oh my gosh, every one of these stories has been unfolded. And so really my new book actually doesn't, it, it just introduces a lot of these people and the events that happened, what I need and want and what the world needs is for African-American folks to pick up these stories that I introduce Mm -hmm. and to tell the rest of the story and to do the research and to talk to the families and really build it out. And, you know, I I always welcome more people into the fold, no matter what. And that's really not my job to do in so much as it's just to encourage people pick up this book and get an introduction that you've never gotten before. You're planting the seed. That's I mean, really, that's that's the that's really important. I'm wondering, too, are any of your books used in classrooms? Well, so North Omaha History Volumes 1, 2, and 3, um, you know, I put those out four or five years ago now, 2016. And it's it's funny, the, the adoption over the last five years has mostly been, I mean, the Omaha Public Libraries picked them up right away and put copies in a lot of the libraries, and that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten messages that a few classrooms individually have adopted them. But I'm really hoping with this hashtag Omaha Black History book mm-hmm. that OPS and other districts in the area will pick it up and use it because it really, again, it's got to be told. I've talked to the state history director mm. for Nebraska State Department of Education, and we're beginning this conversation about, you know, how to build lesson plans, a curriculum that meets the state standards for social studies and diversity and equity. Yes. And uh, hopefully we can get some movement to happen. Yes, that's, awesome. that's great. It's so much fun talking with you. I, um, and, and honestly, I got I can't say enough about your podcast too. Um, and we're we're still we we are very attracted to your podcast. Just going to tell you that we still have our <laughs> eyes on you. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the the Omaha history, um, it's Omaha North Omaha History dot com, um, and there are blog posts. There are episode. How many episodes now? I like 500 blog well, posts so, or something. So, so we have 500 articles. I have, I have five. I always speak in the collective, the Royal we, um, I, I have 500 articles uh, all throughout North Omaha. So I talk about the houses and I talk about the events and I talk about the boulevards and I talk about the streets and I talk about the, you know, trans Mississippi exposition and, just all of these big picture things, but I also get into the mundane stuff. I talk about normal houses, Jill. I do normal house history. So I got all these different things. And then we have the podcast with 80 episodes now. And we've been doing that for three years. Me and Steve Sleeper, great, yes. great producer and, and just a really fun,
fun experience of recording these and getting them out. But, you know, one of the things that I'm most excited about that makes me most happy, and I'm sure that it does the same for you, is knowing that people are listening to these, knowing that people are getting into them and really actually ingesting it. That excites me almost as much as finding the information and sharing it in the first place. Because for me, history isn't something to be collected. It's not something I want to take and put on my shelf and say, I know this and yeah. show it off yeah. whenever I can. It's actually something to be shared and like echoed out. I want the whole world to know. And so that's really what I, you know, I've got the Instagram and I've got 3000, 4,000 followers on there. I've got a Facebook group for North Omaha history that has seven or 8,000 followers. So I'm always looking to share more of this information. That's great. One thing, you know, I was just thinking, we just had somebody on the the other day that I think you should meet her. Her name is Trish Eklund and she has a book, uh, a couple of books out. Um, Abandoned, Forgotten and Decayed is her website. And it's about abandoned homesteads and farmhouses across Nebraska. And I, we were talking on the podcast this last time about just would be interesting to just focus on Omaha um, and in homes that either still stand and are abandoned or they've been replaced by something else and, and the history of the lot mm-hmm. and the, the history. Because I know you know a lot about some of the places in North Omaha that had been leveled and, and something else has been built there, but you have the memory of what used to be there. Um, and I just find these kind of conversations fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the reality is, I mean, that North Omaha still has a lot of places that are abandoned or forgotten. Yes. Or de- you know, so so that is still a current and ongoing process. Hmm. But one of the things that really excites me, though, Jill, and, and I know that you guys really can appreciate that, is kn- knowing and learning about what was as well as what is in order to help us understand what can be. You know, there's there's a reality and a, and a real movement towards um, folks gentrifying North Omaha and turning it into some kind of a perfect wonderland of history and blah, 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 mm-hmm. which is fine to some people. But to other people, it's really challenging because it challenges the historic history of the neighborhood and, and really that identity and everything that belongs there. Exactly. That said, um, to think about the mansions that used to be in North Omaha. Yeah. I love to go down to that rabbit hole and I've done articles on all kinds of buildings that are gone <laughs> because I think that there's the, if to do abandoned, forgotten and decayed a century ago in Omaha would be completely different yeah. than what it is today. Even 50 years ago, it would be completely different than what it is today. That's awesome. And uh, it just, all of it amazes me. All of it just drives me wild because there's so much <laughs> great stuff. We'll do one really more rundown. Cool. Uh, the name of the book and where they can get it and how to find you. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, hashtag Omaha Black History, American, African-American people, places and events from the history of Omaha, Nebraska. It's on Amazon.com uh, and it's there now both as Kindle and print versions. Um, and folks can always find out more information, find contact information, find all these great resources at NorthOmahaHistory.com. Mm-hmm. Got links to the social media and everything else right there. And if you're so. on Amazon, you can also search Adam Fletcher Sassy, and all his books pop up. Boom, just like that. Ooh. Just like that. Just and, and just scroll down if you're listening wherever you are and click the link. Because we we'll, 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 we'll link you the, right to the yeah. website, Omaha, uh, NorthOmahaHistory.com yeah. is right there. And everything's yeah. hooked up. Fantastic. Adam, thank you so much for your time, and, and thank you for sharing and, uh, and including us in the announcement of your new, newest book. Thanks, guys. It's awesome to talk. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Adam. You can plan on it. Thank you. (laughs) See, we'll track you down. (laughs) Thanks, Adam. Um, Facebook, it's Pat and JT, Instagram and Twitter, or you can call us at 402-403-9478. A great weekend and a great day. Thanks for listening. Pat and JT Podcast, a Huda Media Production.